one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here, goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back to Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast at Mariners Pod. Thanks for being here. We have a lot to get to in this one. The Mariners lose the series against the Astros, a chance to salvage the finale today. We're going to talk about what happened in the game yesterday, including Taiwan Walker had another start cut short. So we're going to hear the skipper, we'll hear Taiwan Walker address that issue as the Mariners head into the All-Star break. One more, at least, Walker's spot in the rotation before the All-Star break comes up. So that will be talked about coming up. Edgar Martinez did something pretty special yesterday. We're going to get some eyewitness accounts of what Edgar did. Rick Riz will be here. He's going to chat with Dave Valley coming up. And All-Stars were announced. Robinson Cano is on the team. We're going to hear from him coming up in a few minutes. And also with two deserving players left off, I'm going to talk about why Mariner fans should really be disappointed. We're going to talk about that coming up in a few minutes as well. So a ton to get to as the Mariners facing the Astros in game two of the three-game series, Taiwan Walker against Dallas Keuchel. Great start for the M's. They score first in the second inning. Astros bounce back with uh, Valbuena home run, just like old times. One to one the score, but then Nelson Cruz slugs a long ball. The 2 2 to Cruz, swing and a high fly ball, deep left center field, going back to the one track, and this one is going to be over the wall for a home run over the yellow stripe in left center field. Nelson Cruz with his 22nd home run of the season above the garage doors. Number 22, and the Mariners have the lead 2-1 to one in this ballgame. 2-1 to one lead, but it wouldn't last as Astros play long ball against Walker. Swinging a drive deep into the gap in left center field, and this one is off the wall, and it is gone. Once again, above that yellow stripe in left center field, A.J. Reed with an opposite field home run. Another two-run shot for the Astros here in the bottom of the fourth. Reed's second major league home run. And that was it for the scoring. Fourth inning was it. A four spot for Houston in the bottom of the fourth. Five to two lead at that point. And the pitching would blank the Mariners the rest of the way. And again the Harris 2-2 to Sean O'Malley. And here she comes. Check swing. Strike three called. And the ball game is over. The Astros win it tonight. A final score of 5-2. to two, And the Astros have won the opening two games of the three-game series here at Minute Maid Park. So they take the first two games of the series. Walker can just go four. Gives up five hits, five runs. Montgomery, excellent. He goes four out of the pen, gives up just a couple hits, no runs, one walk and two strikeouts on 50 pitches. But for Walker, the concern, the injury once again. Here's what he said after the game. Are you dealing with more of the same here, or was this different? Yeah, I mean, same thing. Um... Frustrating first two innings. You know, it was good. I was able to drive. Then after the second inning, I just had no legs and everything was up. And everything was running back to the plate. Just couldn't drive it in there. Um, you know, it's frustrating. 
times. I don't really know what I can do to make it better yet. Um, I'm going to find out more later this week, but, you know, just trying to pitch through it. It sucks. Oh, I know you said you could pitch through it, but at some point, isn't it diminishing returns if you can't pitch the way you normally want? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I just haven't had my best stuff. You know, my velo's down. You know, change up's not as sharp. Nothing's really as sharp, you know, just because I can't really get into my legs and, you know, get after it. Um, so, you know, it's probably not best for me to go out there and pitch right now, maybe, just because I can't really give it, you know, 100%. But in between work, have you been able to do your normal routine, or have you had to get no, back mean, I couldn't do really anything. I just tried to stay up as much as possible. I mean, did a flat ground to a bullpen, and, you know, just frustrating. It sucks. On the first pitch, I mean, right away, or, or when you feel it right away? Yeah, I mean, I felt it in the bullpen. Um, you know, but just frustrating. I you know, don't really know what to do. What is your body telling you right now? I don't know um, what you should do. Well, I mean, rest, I guess. Rest and kind of see what's going on with it. You know, kind of see my options. Hey, Tom, was it better last time with the 10-day rest or nine-day, whatever it was? No, not at all. So that little bit of rest didn't really help? Not really, no. Yeah. So there it was. Not encouraging sound there from Taiwan Walker, certainly. Here's what Scott Service had to say after the game about it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, Taiwan obviously still isn't uh, quite right with that foot. We're going to have to have that looked at again. And, and um, you know, he's struggling. He's trying to pitch through it. But, um, you know, we probably have to... Uh, kind of reevaluate where we're at here um you know i haven't looked at again what are the options i mean is it just a rest or is there a surgery i don't know i'm, I'm not the doctor on that one yeah i mean i probably need to go see a specialist or something and, and see where we're where we're headed there it's that's obviously not right um you know he's trying to battle through it but this is just not there what are you seeing there is he able to drive he's having trouble driving yeah yeah trying to you know drive off that back leg and you know he's a big strong kid very athletic all that other good stuff and he's trying to get through it but just hard for him to repeat and then you know when you're using when you're not using your legs and you have to have an extended inning throw that many pitches it, it kind of catches up with them so you know that's that's kind of what happened tonight when did he know, or did he? Did you sort of know this was kind of coming, maybe in the third? Or? Oh, you know, it's 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 been sore for a while, and I think you know every time he goes out there, you're, you know, you kind of got your fingers crossed that he can get over the, kind of over the hump with it. It really hasn't. He hasn't been able to, to to feel good about you know being on your legs. And this game is about you know your lower half and and being able to use it on the mound or or in the batter's box. Montgomery picks you up pretty good there. Yeah, Mike threw the ball really well. Uh, I was happy to see that. Um, he was running out of gas. Really hot in here tonight. The air conditioning went out for a while. Um, so, 97 outside and you know 89 degrees inside. And, and uh, but you know he, he hung in there. I thought his stuff was good. Used all of his pitches and, and was very efficient. Taiwan's next term is the last game before the break. I mean, can you empty out? We don't know yet. I don't know what it will do yet. Um, you know, we'll have a better feel for that probably tomorrow or the next day. And right now, let's take it a day at a time. Let's just try to get tomorrow's game and, and try to get you know. Some of the momentum we had at home, trying to get that back going again. How about Nelson? I mean, found the ball off the Yeah, he's sore. Uh, you know, expect he'll be in there tomorrow, but I have a better feel. You know, he's going to be a little bit sore, no doubt. He, he smoked the ball off top of his foot. He said tried to get going like at home again. Were the events the same, or was there a little less? Uh, you know, the pitching was good. Obviously, Keiko threw the ball well. Uh, you know, we had a, a few chances. And just, you know, the home run ball got us tonight. It's not like they murdered the ball. They just hit, you know, they hit more homers than we did. And then, and, and, in big spots, you know, those two in that inning, you know, obviously that hurt. 
Dejo doesn't have much to show for. Actually, an infield hit, but two stings, it's the last things it's right. Yeah, you know, his at-bats have been good. You know, um, got to give them credit. They, they made plays. They they got the big outs in the game, and, you know, we just couldn't get through it there in the fourth inning. Nelly doesn't make the all-star team with 22 homers this season. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing, you know, and then I, I did talk to him. I think he's certainly deserving of it. Um, has carried our team <laughs> for a number of stretches in the first half, and, and uh, you know, I really appreciate his you know, work ethic and, and how he goes about his business because he, he does play on days when, when he doesn't feel 100%, and, and we appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to talk about All-Stars in just a second. First, though, Mariners will try and bounce back and take the series, uh, take a game in the series, salvage a game coming up tonight. 5-10 first pitch. Wade LeBlanc, who's been excellent in his first two starts, and the Mariners could use that again. We'll take on Fires, Fires 6-3, and 4-1-2 ERA. LeBlanc 1-0. With a 1.50, the Mariners now 43 and 41. The Astros 45 and 39. So it'd be great for the M's if they could take the finale of this series and then move on to KC before the All Star break is here. Now we'll get to Edgar Martinez in just a second. But first things first, All Star teams announced, and I don't think it surprises anyone. Robinson Cano, his stellar first half. He makes the all-star team. Here's what he had to say about it. Be a little extra. I mean, you, you didn't go last year. Be a little more to get back there. Well, I mean, yeah, it's one of the powers. Uh, Baby receiver that you want to be. I mean, that's that's a memory that, um, you know, everyone is is always excited. And uh, for me, it's been a lot more because this year I'm going to be able to be my son. And he's going to be able to, uh, you know, enjoy that. And I think it's going to be a great moment just me and my son there. More. I mean, last year was a disappointment, and um, you've had it. You, you got here on merit. I mean, you, you deserve to, to, to go. You put up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Thanks God that I mean, we found out what we have, what they have, and we was able to um, play through and able to get a sell you. And uh, you know, it, it was a lot of hard work. It's hard to stay in Philly for over a month and prepare myself to those exercises so I can be ready for spring training. And uh, and you know. I guess we've been training until that guy. I mean, let's go back to the same thing we started last year, and then we went from the beginning doing everything in the cage. And, uh, you know, that's something that, um, you know, I told him earlier. I mean, you're part of that. I mean, be able to come the first, you know, first to morning, be able to have that kind of season that I haven't that I have had in my, my career. And, uh, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Edgar, too. So did the outside stuff motivate you too? The outside offseason stuff, you know, some of the comments and stuff that motivate you, or is it just you wanted to prove to yourself as well? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I don't have anything to prove myself. I mean, you yeah. know, everybody knows that I was hurt. So sometimes the comment is bothered because, um, you know, there, there's people that um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't even know how, they don't care if you're hurt or not. They just, they just think you're a machine. You got to go out there every day because you get paid a lot of money. You got to go out there and perform every day. I mean, we don't want to do that. I wish every time I go, I hit a home. You know, I would like to retire. I mean, <laughs> you know, as a guy with the most honor ever, but it's not going to happen, so that's not who I am. But, um, you know, as a player, I give everything I got. I mean, people take for granted that, uh, you know, they don't realize how hard I work and how I prepare myself and be out there playing every day. And, uh, you know, even when I got in New York, a lot of people got criticized that I was lazy and whatever. And uh, But I know how I work and how I prepare myself. I don't think if you're a lazy guy, you won't be able to play. And they sell that for that many games every year. They, a couple of your guys, teammates, didn't make it. I mean, are you disappointed that maybe Nelly or Kyle isn't there with you? Well, they both got a number to go. I mean, but that's something that, um, you know, it's out of my hands. Mm-hmm. So, But it's not over yet. I mean, we got, what, another week? 
people get and, hurt. Uh, yeah. You know, it will hurt. You get the last boat, and uh, you know, I hope they make it. I mean, it would be fun, and it's always good to have a teammate there. So that is Robinson Cano, certainly well deserving. 302, 19 homers, 54 ribbies, a 357 on base percentage, slugging 532. Has been one of the best in the American League, no question about it. Won't be starting at second. Jose Altuve, the starter, is having an MVP-type season. He has been incredible. But Cano makes second base. I mean, between Altuve and Cano, they really locked down second base. Pretty deep position this year. Some other guys that are having nice seasons that are just out of the mix, didn't make the team, whether it's Pedroia or Kinsler or Dozier. I mean, just go down the list of second basemen. And those two have have hogged the spots, Altuve and Cano, making the All-Star team. It, now, this is always a difficult conversation when you talk about other guys. And Nelson Cruz and Kyle Seeger both having All-Star quality seasons in the first half. And there's a number of guys who have have had All-Star quality first halves but have not made the All-Star team. And it's difficult. It's always a difficult conversation because the easy part of the conversation is to say, well, he should have made the all-star team or he should have made the all-star team. The difficult part, though, is to say who shouldn't have made the all-star team when you look at it just in kind of practical circumstances because the reality is it's not always the best guys having the best first halves that make the all-star team, the best numbers or the best players because there's a couple different realities that kind of tweak the all-star rosters. And... One of those realities is uh, a player needs to – there needs to be a representative from every single team. So that's something that has to be considered. And also kind of the home field advantage factor thrown in. So you can see managers kind of subtly tweak the rosters to help in, a, in an actual game situation. And what I mean by that, you look at the American League and you can see that there's an extra bullpen arm for the American League, and there's three catchers for the American League. Now, if you compare Matt Weider's first half compared to Nelson Cruz's first half, well, it's not that close. Nelson Cruz has had a much better first half numbers-wise than Matt Weider's has had, but there's three catchers on the American League roster. And part of the reason is you get late in a ball game, need to pinch run, you need to pinch hit. Three catchers is a valuable thing to have. So Vote, who's also the only A's representative, is on the roster. Weeders is on the roster as well. You had an extra bullpen arm. So right there, that's two position potential position player slots that are off the board because of some roster realities. Makes it a real crunch when you look at it. So Nelson Cruz, did he have a deserving first half? He sure did. So did George Springer. So did Michael Saunders, other guys in the outfield mix. Saunders and Springer made the final vote in the American League. Nelson Cruz did not. I think the biggest disappointment, though, for the Mariner, for Mariner fans, and obviously you can be disappointed in Nelson Cruz not making the All-Star team, but when you look at the final vote, Evan Longoria made the final vote for Tampa Bay and Longoria is having a nice bounce back season I'm not taking anything away from what he's done this year an all-star from 2008 to 2010 uh, has struggled the last couple of years for him in comparison to what he did early in his career but having a solid bounce back season but no matter 
how you slice the numbers, Kyle Seeger's having a much better season than Evan Longoria. Maybe much is stronger, but uh, maybe too strong. But I don't think there's any question, no matter how you kind of tilt the numbers or look at the numbers or slice the numbers, Kyle Seeger is having a better season than Evan Longoria and is more deserving to be in the final vote mix than Longoria. And if anyone objects to that, I, I'm willing to have this debate. So feel free to tweet me at any point at Gary Hill Jr. But uh, these conversations I always find interesting and fun. But, I mean, if you look at Longoria and Seager side by side, Seager's played two more games this year. He has scored five more runs, has one more double, two less home runs, nine more RBIs. I think this is where it really comes down for me. Both have the same batting average, 277, but the real difference maker offensively. Kyle Seager has done 12 more walks this year, and Longoria has struck out 25 more times, which I think is pretty significant. So the reality is they both have the same batting averages at 277, but Seager, a 360 on base percentage compared to 329 on base percentage for Longoria, Seager slugging higher, 519 to 517. Seager's OPS, 879 to 846 for Evan Longoria. I mean, it's not real close when you start to dial back the numbers. I mean, Longoria really only has him. He has two more hits, and he's got two more home runs. But every other number you look at, Seager has the advantage, and that's offense. You start to look at defense and there's a lot of different ways you can look at this, too, but let's just take defensive runs saved for at least a comparison sake. And if you look at that, Adrian Beltre actually leads for American League third base by a lot. He probably hasn't had the offensive numbers with the time missed to be included in the conversation. Josh Donaldson, Chase Headley, Kyle Seeger all tied right behind Adrian Beltre. And, in fact, Longoria is a minus in terms of defensive runs saved. Kyle Seeger's well in the plus with five, tied with Donaldson and Headley in the American League. So Seeger is having a, a much better year defensively than Longoria as well. And what's going to be tough is when you start, there will be some guys added, maybe Cruz, maybe Seeger get added, but it's more likely that the final vote guys will get the nod first, and that's where that kind of stings if Longoria were to get the call over Seeger because Seager's well-deserving. In fact, if you look at baseball reference war, Seager's among the leaders in the American League. In fact, Cano is at 3.6 coming into yesterday, and Seager's at 3.5. So he's tied for seventh with Ian Desmond, who's an all-star, having a great year, David Ortiz, an all-star as well, and George Springer, who's in the mix. So... That, that's, to me, where the disappointment really lies. Kyle Seeger, I think, should be included over Evan Longoria. And, and part of that, it's an easier conversation to have because it's a one-for-one. One. It's not you're trying to argue out of the third catcher or another, another situation like that. You can have the argument to, I think, Michael Saunders, George Springer, Nelson Cruz. I mean, that's a debate to have as well, but it's a little bit closer to me than the Seager-Longoria debate is. So there it is, my two cents on the All-Star team. Feel free to – I'd like to get your thoughts too, so you can send them my way, at Gary Hill Jr. 
or GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. I mean, who knows? By next week, this conversation could be moot, but we'll see. So Edgar Martinez did something pretty amazing yesterday. If you haven't heard, you probably have because it was everywhere. Edgar Martinez jumped into the cage yesterday for the M's and was stroking line drives and then just demolished a baseball. Demolished a baseball in the batting cage. And to hear the descriptions of what happened is really fun. First of all, here's what the skipper said about Edgar going deep, who, who was actually throwing BP, which was pretty awesome. Skip, you had a little fun before the ball game this afternoon. You were throwing, throwing some BP to some of your coaches, and Edgar Martinez hits one out of here way out to left field, up by the tracks, hits that community leader sign. It made a lot of noise. Uh, guy could still swing the bat, can he? Yeah, he can. Just the fans know we're out working with our players today, but we had a little extra yeah. time, and, and Edgar was right. behind the cage. I said, hey, Edgar, you want to take a couple? So he quickly got batting gloves on and stepped in there, and he hadn't missed a beat. It's the same setup and stance. And, you know, once he had a, for a couple rounds to get loose, he wanted to get five more. So he, he hit one out, and uh, it's fun. You know, he, he's having a little fun with it. And, of course, the players are hooting and hollering, yeah. so it was a good time. So here's what O'Malley had to say about watching Edgar. Sean, as a kid, you remember Edgar Martinez uh, growing up, uh, hitting star for the Mariners for many, many years, guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully one day will. You had a chance to watch him take some early BP this afternoon here at Minute Maid Park. What did you see out of Edgar Martinez? <laughs> some things just never change, you know. Edgar, he's still got it. I mean, you know, he started off hitting, you know, routine line drives right over the second baseman's head, and then, you know, by the end of it, he was hitting – launching home runs to left field. So, you know, for me to see that in person was, uh, was awesome. How impressive was that? It went way up there by the tracks, didn't it? <laughs> it went way up there. It hit the sign just below the tracks. And, I mean, I mean, I have, I don't think I can even get one up there, let alone <laughs> here he is. He hasn't played in a long time, and he's still doing it. So it was impressive. What was it like for you to watch that, you know, knowing, you know, watching Edgar as a kid all those years? <laughs> I mean, I just sat back and I took it all in. I literally sat there and was like, man, watching Edgar Martinez take batting practice right now and uh, you know I try to take I actually try to take something away from him you know he's just so relaxed and so comfortable and uh, it was amazing how focused he still was even though he was just kind of screwing around so that was O'Malley now Shannon Dreyer caught up with Daniel Robertson who was just called up and here I'm going to play the whole conversation and at the very end he's got some really great thoughts on what he saw with Edgar Martinez. Daniel Robertson up here today, and not only are you here, you are in the lineup. We got a good look at you in spring training. Obviously, a lot of versatility, you know, good in the outfield speed. That was a lot of fun to see as well. But when we talked to the manager, the first thing out of his mouth was, well, he's faced Dallas Keuchel before. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, I uh, came up through the minor leagues with him. So I think the very first time I faced him was in 2010. And so it's, it's a good feel, and it's also cool to see, you know, some of the guys that you started your journey with um, having success at the big league level. And he's, you know, everything that he presents now is everything that he had in 2010, but it wasn't in Houston. It wasn't on a big stage. It wasn't in the AL West. So I'm very familiar with him, and I uh, look forward to facing him again. We saw this team come together in spring training. You were very much a part of that. It wasn't 25 guys. It was a good 50 guys yeah. that really came together. How important was that? It's extremely important because at the end of the day, you know, it takes a collective group to make it to the World Series. I mean, it, because this game is going to decide who steps up. It's not going to be anybody's within control it's all the baseball is always in control so they're going to decide who steps up and it's our job to be prepared so when we move into the lineup we have to make sure that 
we're 100% bought in and we're all in because if not, then instead of being a strength in the chain, we're just going to be one of the weak points in the chain. You had a great quote with the media a couple of minutes ago. You said when you were asked, hey, what do you try and bring to the team? And you said, I try to bring a baseball player wherever I go. Explain that a little. Uh, you know, it was something that I learned from Dave Roberts, uh, you know, the manager of obviously the Dodgers now, but being a young player, um, when he was kind of a, a special assistant rover, and I used to come over in spring training games, and we used to have conversations, and it was really important that he wanted me to understand that it's not about playing baseball, it's not about being an outfielder, it's not about being an infielder. If you can be, if you're a versatile player, it's about being a baseball player. And a baseball player is asked to bunt, he's asked to steal, he's asked to move a runner over, he's asked to get a runner in. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with the infield back? And there's a runner at third, and they're giving it to you. A simple ground ball does the job. And he just stressed all those important things about base running because all those things that a baseball player can bring is something that can help win a ball game. It's a great story. I mean, you guys just have influence of guys all over the league. You know, you go that far back, and we saw Dave Roberts play, climb, and now he's the manager. And Absolutely. And, I mean, and his story is special to me because he didn't make his debut until he was 28, and it's very similar to, eerie similar to me um, and, and the way my journey started um, in this game. And so he had spent 10 years in the major leagues, and now he's still very much in it. And you know, I, at the end of the day, this is going to be my life's work. So I want to make sure that I'm doing it the right way and learning from the people who gave up their life to this sport just as well. Lastly, I hope I heard this right. I think you were out on the field when Edgar took around a batting practice of course, today. What was of course. that like to see that? If you want my honest opinion, <laughs> it was weird because I was an 11-year-old kid. I grew up a Mariner fan, very huge. I vividly remember and still get emotional. I'll get goosebumps talking about the ball he hit down the line and junior scoring. Watching him take batting practice, once he got loose, it looked the exact same, but with who he is now, if that makes sense. You know, as his experience in life has gotten a little bit longer than all of ours, <laughs> it was the same player. He was hitting line drives up the middle. He hit a ball into the Crawford box. I mean, hit it off the, the thing. It didn't just go in the Crawford box. It went off the back wall. <laughs> And it was the exact same person. And it was like, you're watching, his swing didn't change. I don't know how much he swings nowadays or if ever in off-seasons. And he steps in the cage and 12 balls in. Next thing you know, he looks like Edgar Martinez chasing a batting title. That's what it looks like. That was what it looked like. Just a little bonus on your first day. Why not? Yeah, he's hitting 390 right now and he's working on his batting title. Oh, wait, just kidding. I retired and I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. Here, kid, keep working up the middle. Here's your bat back. And with that, I think we'll end this. Daniel, thank you. It's good to see you. No problem. Thank you for having me. And finally, we're going to hand things over to Rick Riz and Dave Valley. They're going to talk some catching. Chance to sit down and talk some catching with a good friend of ours, uh, Dave Valley. Dave, you did a great job behind home play for many years with the Mariners. Now you're on pre- and post-game shows with Root Sports. The Major League Baseball Network, of course, worked with us for many years on radio and television. Let's talk catching. We saw... A few nights ago, a pitcher by the name of Wade LeBlanc have a really good changeup, and he used that changeup working with Chris Iannetta. You worked with a lot of guys that had a great changeup. They could read swings knowing when to throw that pitch. What do you do as a catcher when you're looking at swings from opposing hitters knowing when to use that changeup and when to back off a little bit more with that pitch? Well, there's a lot that go, that goes into it, Rick, and it has to do with each and every hitter that are so individual that you have to understand what type of hitters they are, 
uh, what their what their strengths and weaknesses are, and then also you combine that and kind of throw it into the mix of the guy that's on the mound for me. What what are his strengths and weaknesses, and how am I going to find those those little uh, wedges where I can get him to use his maybe his secondary pitch to get a strike, but then also set it up for his best pitch to get that out. So when you look at a Wade LeBlanc, throws a high, high 80s is his fastball, which nowadays is not very hard, but he's got the good separation between the velocity of the fastball and the changeup. The thing that he has done in these last two starts that he's had for the Mariners, he has had pinpoint control with the fastball. Now, when I have a lefty, a soft-throwing lefty who has pinpoint control, and I know his best pitch, his out pitch is that changeup. I'm going to pitch that. I'm going to throw that fastball all around the strike zone. I'm going to throw it up high. I want to throw it on the outside corner. I want to throw it in off of the plate. So make that hitter start to recognize that, oh, he'll come inside. Even though he doesn't throw hard, most guys automatically think, well, he's going to keep everything away because he, he can't throw that fastball inside because it's only 87, 88 miles an hour. But you still have to throw it there to keep that hitter kind of honest by not being able to dive out over there. And then what, what really comes into play is, is as you watch a Major League Baseball game and as all the folks out there that are watching, watch the hitter swing. How did they react to the fastball? How did they react to the breaking ball? How did they react to that changeup? Because yeah. I always felt that the swing before told me what the next pitch to throw was. Dave, we watch you guys behind home plate. Man, one's a fastball, two's a curveball, three's a slider, four with the wiggly fingers is a changeup. You know, you go over the game plan. You know, there's a method to each pitch that you want that pitcher to throw. How do you decide one, two, three, four? Number one, I want to throw a strike, first pitch. That's ultimate goal for me is for my pitcher to work ahead. So what is he throwing that night that he can throw for a strike? So hopefully it's his fastball because I still believe the best pitch in baseball is a well-placed fastball. So the things that would change that is if I have, say, a guy like Paul Molitor, who's now the manager of the Minnesota Twins, a notorious first ball <laughs> fastball hitter. So I know Molly was looking for that fastball. If I was going to throw a fastball, it had to be an excellent placed fastball. So if my pitcher's struggling with the fastball, I'm probably not going to throw Molly a first pitch fastball if I feel like he might make a mistake over the middle part of the plate because that's how Molly got into the Hall of Fame taking advantage of pitchers' mistakes. So, again, the, the type of hitter and who that hitter is, knowing that hitter, all of the at different at-bats that you've had in your brain of how that hitter responded to certain pitches, it all kind of goes into your mental computer in your brain, yeah. and it spits out fastball or it spits out slider or it spits out curveball in the dirt uh, okay. when guys get two strikes. I, I, there was a couple of pitches I liked with two strikes. A curveball, a breaking ball, on the plate, bouncing it, Actually, I like three. Uh, I like the changeup thrown on the plate. So when it's over the cylinder, it, as a hitter, you're looking for something over the, the cylinder. A changeup, because of the deception, as soon as I recognize it's over the cylinder, my brain starts, says swing. Yeah. And you'll get a lot of guys swing at, at a changeup that's down in the dirt that's on the plate. That, that's a chase pitch. I, I like that. And the other one, and I go back to using it with Mark Langston. Uh, when Mark was in 1984 as the rookie pitcher of the year for the Seattle Mariners, he loved to throw that fastball right across the top of the zone. We saw Taiwan Walker do it really successfully in his last start. A lot of fastballs. Ty's got that 97 mile an hour right across the letters. Almost impossible for a guy to, to catch up to that. It looks so good as a hitter, but Ty got a lot of easy pop-ups 
the other night. So those are the three pitches with two strikes I, I like to have in your back pocket. Not every pitcher has those pitches, yeah. but hopefully they have one that we could use to get, get him through that night and get a win in his pocket. whole lot of thinking going on for the catcher behind home plate, working with that pitcher, a whole lot of thinking before the game starts with a game plan, and hopefully things work out so you can execute that game plan. I'm already tired right now thinking of all this. <laughs> so you just imagine the catchers that are doing it every single night all the way through for eight months. It takes a lot of mental energy and also physical energy to do the job correctly behind the dish. David, you did it very, very well for many years. Thanks a lot for being our guest here on Rick's Tips. My pleasure, my man. See you later!